Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast, bringing our communities the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and updates on the capital market to keep you informed and confident. Listen in on conversations with our advisors and industry leaders around the country who are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Today is Wednesday, June the 1st, and you are listening to the Perry Ritchie Group Advisor Roundtable. I am your host for today, Drew Ritchie, and we have our entire advisor team in studio today. I'm sitting across from Andrew Boyles, Josh Marson, and here by my side, Mr. Sean Perry. Welcome, guys. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing great. Good, Drew. We, uh, yeah, we today's Wednesday, June 1st. As it sets, last week was finally some positive economic news, market returns, a little bit of relief from what we've been experiencing pretty much uh, since 2022 started. So we're going to kind of dig into that and see what's going on in the marketplace and why the uh, why the markets are reacting positively. But first, uh, we've had some enhancements to our practice, to our podcast, got an exciting uh, project that we're about to bring out into the world. Uh, but let's talk about the podcast. If you're listening today, then you heard some new intro music, maybe our sound qualities a little bit better. I'm sitting here with Andrew. Andrew's been instrumental in getting the podcast up and going. So, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about the upgrades we've made recently to the podcast. Yeah, so over the last few months, uh, again, you've probably noticed our sound quality improving. So we have um, gone from producing our podcast on a iPhone or iPad to, you know, building out our studio and upgrading the quality of our equipment. And uh, the new intro and music that you've heard is just the next iteration of that as we're constantly trying to make this better, um, provide more quality content for our network. Um, so we're excited to, to bring that forward. You know, uh, yeah, and I, I love hearing you say that we started it with an iPhone and some free software, and now we have an actual studio with the equipment. But, you know, we're financial advisors, so why do we want to do a podcast? Are well, you trying to be famous, Andrew? Uh, definitely not. Okay. To provide more, uh, more timely information to again our network, and you know, um, you know, when I joined the team six years ago, um, we were doing quarterly uh, economic lunches. So we would bring in a speaker uh, down the hall. We would invite our client base, our client network, and um, you know, we would have sixty to seventy households represented there. Um, you know, for those uh, individuals, individuals, sixty yeah, to seventy individuals. Yeah, yeah, sixty to seventy individuals, and. You know, for those people that worked, you know, it was harder for them to get get to it during the day. And so, you know, with with COVID and, and that being, you know, suspended, you know, trying to provide that same type of information um, more regularly. Um, and the podcast we found was the best way to do that. And so we just want to keep upgrading, uh, again, the quality of what we're, we're sending out. It's a great point because um, although, you know, that was great information delivered oftentimes by a third party, uh, there may have been a, a few of those people that were that were there for a nice lunch, uh, a little less interested in the content. I'm not naming names, but you you may be listening and know that now. If you're listening to this, you really appreciate the content. Um, but it is a way of us bringing content monthly. It's uh, you're hearing from the four of us, your advisor team, but a lot of the other a lot of the other team members. If you haven't listened last episode, Sean did a wonderful interview with Michael Antonelli. Uh, on behavioral finance, which is, is, is very interesting. Um, so 
yeah, not to not to get deviate a little bit from our agenda, but a lot of additional type of content that we can provide through the podcast as well. So that's right. Yeah, we're we're investing more resources in that, trying to spend more time on on doing it really the right way, mostly because people are listening. People want the content. Um, they want to be informed. It's a way for us to get it out uh, very quickly. Um, yeah, so we're continuing to continuing to innovate. With that, Sean, we've got a big project about eighteen months in the making that is coming to fruition this summer. What's what's about to happen? Yeah, less than five weeks away, we are launching a book called "Finding Your Financial Advisor." how to understand the industry and confidently hire the best. So Drew and myself have written a book that's coming out July 5th. We're going to be having a launch party here in Bowling Green and also one in Nashville on the the 5th and the 12th. Um, yeah, so it's really exciting. We're starting to feel that tension, I think, of, oh, here's all the stuff that we need to do uh, for the for the book launch. Right. And, and you know, um, for the, our clients listening to the podcast, we, we're not suggesting that you need to know how to find a new financial advisor. Uh, for our clients, it is potentially a little more affirmation around uh, how much thought has uh, goes into building and managing a wealth management practice, uh, what clients need to know about it, and then what you need to say if you're telling a friend about it. Um, so, Kind of Sean and I felt like it was our way of trying to influence kind of the the market or the industry more as a whole. And a lot of the things that we're doing within our practice, we talk a lot in, in the book about this, but our financial advocate network. So having not just your primary advisor uh, as part of your primary relationship, um, working with our practice, but a secondary role as the financial advocate, that's not common in the industry. And writing about it. We've hired two different publishing or, uh, I'm sorry, marketing firms to help get the word out. Uh, we just want to have a bigger impact and a bigger footprint. So yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah. I think the affirmation part's a good point. It also will give us, you know, an additional contact point as we, as clients ask, how can they introduce us to friends? And then as we just meet people, you know, the most common Thing, which which really brought up this whole book writing was how do I know what I should look for? Like when you're talking about a financial advisor, there's so many different structures. There's so many different types of firms. And how do you cut through the noise and uh, figure out what's best for you and your family? So we're really excited that that's coming. You'll be hearing more about it. We've got multiple podcasts scheduled to summarize the book, we've even got some guest hosts that are going to help us with that. And then um, as our review season rolls around, we'll have copies here in the office and it'll be available on Amazon and you'll hear a lot more about us in the coming weeks. That's right. Yeah. Available on Amazon beginning July 5th. But if you're in the office, we may have a few extra copies around if, uh, if you were interested in seeing that or wanted us to send a copy to a friend. We'd be happy to do that for you. So, all right. Without uh, much more uh, ado, let's talk about the markets, capital markets. Josh, let's uh, let's just start off with you over there. Um, give us a snapshot of where we are today. Yeah. So I think the the first word I think of is is volatility. Of course, unless you've been under a rock all year, you know, there's anything that 
could happen, has happened this year, whether it be a, um, a military conflict overseas, interest rates going up, uh, trying to combat a, a very large inflation reading that we haven't seen since you know the early early 80s. Uh, many of us weren't even around or could experience that inflation reading. But there's been a lot of um, volatility, whether it be in the equity markets or even the fixed income markets. So this year, at uh, one point during the year, fixed income in general was down more than the equity markets. And this has been the worst start for the fixed income market on historical record. Now, it's come off since then, uh, but we continue to see a lot of uh, chatter around the Federal Reserve raising rates. Once again, this is all to combat an inflation that uh, uh, historically uh, is extremely high, and we need to get that back down, but we need to make sure that we do it uh, cautiously because we don't want to tip ourselves into something, uh, i.e. Uh, recession, so on and so forth. So one of the things that comes to mind when you say that, and I clients ask this all the time, people are incredibly concerned with how it plays out long-term with Russia and Ukraine and who else may get involved in that. What, if that didn't exist, let's take that off the table. What would, what a portion of, of what we're experiencing would be happening anyway? Yeah. So great, great question. And I was told um, by one of our partners that the current market volatility that we see 95% of it is due to uh, inflation, interest rates. You could probably sprinkle in valuations in there. We're a little bit rich in a lot of areas. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine thing. Valuations. Can you explain explain what you mean by that? You just prices are high. Yeah, yeah. Prices of um, you know publicly traded companies. If we talk about valuations for a stock, uh, so it's it's typically around what we call. Uh, a PE ratio, price to earnings. Um, and that PE ratio has been in the short term too high comparative to the long term PE ratio. Now okay. that can be one of two things increased prices, decreased earnings, but earnings have been high too. Earnings have been high. And there's many companies have reported earnings this year that are still very reasonable earnings. Um, it's just valuations or the price side of it has okay. been a little elevated. Okay. Sorry about that. I just yeah. wanted that little, little deeper dive into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's really where we're at. You know, I do on this podcast want to explain, you hear a lot of chatter from the fed right now around what they will call a neutral rate. So your, your typical person thinks, well, what is a neutral, what is neutral rate? What's the definition of it? Um, what they're trying, their neutral rate is two and a half to 3%, okay, on a Fed funds rate. And that neutral rate, by definition, means that is the rate at which the Fed is not trying to control the growth of the economy, whether it be loosening or restricting the economy. So the economy operates on its own. Currently, the Fed rate is between 0.75 and 1%, and they want to get to that 25 to 3%. So the math's pretty simple, um, which kind of goes along with the line of we can expect some additional 50 basis point or a half percent uh, increases throughout the year to get 
to that two and a half to three percent. Is it a coincidence that 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 their target neutral rate aligns with their long term inflation goal? So I was. It's funny you mentioned that. I was looking at that earlier, and the long term inflation target is right around two percent. Okay. Well, the Fed funds is two and a half to three, so it's just slightly above it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about just the market last week. Um, we got some positive economic data. I've been in a lot of my client meetings talking about the fact that when, when we start to see some signs that, that things are working, um, I've, I've made the kind of the comments in the meetings that, Hey, you know, if my degree in school was in economics. I've had a lot of advanced college economics classes. And the first thing you learn is that when you have a really hot demand, hot economy, and then you have supply issues, there's just less supply and demand's high. What do you happen? What happens? Prices go up. That's what happens in free markets. Um, so it, 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 it almost makes things seem a little more normal if you look through that lens of that. And that's what we've, you know, we've been seeing. And so what, what does the Fed do to combat that? They raise interest rates. We've raised interest rates. We've seen inflation start to trend down. I think most people have noticed, yeah, gas prices are still exorbitantly high, but they're, but they're not increasing as much. Or, or maybe they've even come back down a little bit. Talk a little bit about what we saw last week. Last week, just from a, a pure return performance standpoint, um, so all three of the major indices, and we, we talked a little bit about last month on how each of those are configured, but the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and then the NASDAQ 100, um, all three of those last week were had performance over 6%. Um, and that hasn't happened since November of 2020 uh, to seen that um, strong growth with, within a week. And so um, to your point, we saw inflation um, cool off a little bit and investors um, obviously were, were optimistic uh, about that. So, you know, when you look at, uh, to Josh's, you know, word earlier, volatility um, and, and the market movement we've seen, um, you know, last week, the week of May 23rd, um, we, we saw, you know, some, some positive returns based on that. Yeah. So we, we talk about, and our clients that are, if you meet with one of the four of us, the meetings, we use the same materials. We're using the same investment models. We're going over the same type of economic information, but we all have a little bit of a different style. I always spend a lot of time talking about how the worst days in the market are almost always closely in, in close proximity to the best days in the market. So, so last week was, you know, as you're saying, one of the best weeks we've had in a couple of years, May 18th, the Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday before, yeah, the, Wednesday before. the Wednesday before was one of the worst days. You, you'd given me the, the number that the Dow was down 1,161 points on May 18th, 3.6%. Well, a lot of people probably got out on that day. Now, we hope it was nobody that's listening to the podcast, but closely followed by a rally, a pretty sharp rally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, on that day of May 18th, there's nothing, you know, indicating what's going to happen the following week, right? You know, at the end of the day, nobody knows. Um, and so in, in order to experience the, the great week we had last week, you know, short term, um, you've got to stay in the market and, and uh, stick through some of those bad days. 
I think that's connected to an article I read over the weekend that I wanted to try to summarize if I could. It was talking about the number of billionaires in the United States, and they said there were somewhere around 1,000, maybe 900 to 1,000. Currently? Currently okay. in the United States. And they, they were kind of going back to think, is that a, an appropriate number or not? And they said based on a 10% annualized rate of return in the stock market over the last 100 years, a family would have had to have 72000 in 1922 for that to be a billion dollars in 2022. And it went on to say something that I think is really interesting. It says um, what happened to those could have been billionaires. So the article was arguing that more people likely had more than $72,000 in 1922. So therefore it would have been more than a thousand now. And it said, why do investors not reap the benefits? We believe it has little to do with some of the things we've talked about here, recessions, depressions, wars, political crisis, rising interest rates, inflation, stagflation, global pandemic. This is the stock market's return over the last hundred years includes all those things, which we've talked about over and over again. The, the stock market compounded wealth to a point where $1 invested in the S&P in 1922 would be worth $13,800 now. And it says it's not adverse macro events that derail compounding. It's investors' reactions to them. In short, investor behavior derails compounding, which you referenced earlier in my podcast with Michael Antonelli, yeah. market strategist with Baird. One of the quotes that he said that, that we have shared on social media is one of the hardest things about compounding is that a bad four months feels worse than a good four years. And it's just such an important topic, and that's why we talk about it almost every podcast. It's just this idea of owning a portfolio that you're comfortable with, understanding the risk, and then being willing to ride out the fluctuations. Like you guys were talking about how the good days are tied typically to the bad days or within a couple of weeks of the bad days. And even historically, right. you know, we would have more billionaires now if one of these events likely wouldn't have scared someone out of the market. And it's just an important reminder, especially on the backside of some of this intense volatility that we've seen, because we're going to experience it again. And when we, when we know it's going to happen again, then we can more intellectually decide how we're going to handle it. When we're trying to make those decisions in the moment, it's a lot harder to do. And I think just this, this idea of behavioral finance Michael Antonelli, along with uh, an author of a book called The Geometry of Wealth, Brian Portnoy, is is taking a group of Baird advisors through a behavioral finance class. It's pretty expensive, and I've signed up to do it in the fall for the team and, and for our clients because it's one of the most important topics is understanding the emotions and understanding how people and why people respond a certain way, whether it's recency bias or proximity bias or all these yeah. other type of biases that we bring into things connected to things that happened last week or connected to things that happened in our childhood or to our parents or stories we heard. So I just think that's important. It's an important topic and it's something as a team we're leaning into to try to provide more education to clients. If you look up the the definition of finance, it, it would say it's the art and science of managing money. And oftentimes as financial advisors, people want it to be more black and white than it is. And 
half or more of what we do is is helping people try to not, uh, Sean, you've put it uh, different ways in the past, but not sacrificing your future self for your current self, right? Like not giving up on what you told me last year when things were nice and smooth that you wanted to do because right now it's volatile and it's crazy and it, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't. Um, quote that, uh, or something that I wanted to, to mention. And if somebody's listening today and they got a little time on their hands, they might want to, might can dig into this a little bit deeper. I've got a little bit, a little bit of a more summary on it, but, um, in Ecclesiastes, it says, Ecclesiastes one ten says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. An analyst we are listening to recently said that we can go back through history and see that during the, uh, the Korean War time, 1950 to 1953, is when we saw the separation of Harry Truman from the Federal Reserve. He was really trying to to cast his presidential influence over the Federal Reserve. They were not really buying in. He wanted to keep interest rates low during the Korean War time. The Federal Reserve didn't feel like that was the right policy, so after a couple of years of turmoil in that, they they ultimately separated kind of their, had more of an arm's length uh, between the presidency and the Federal Reserve. Subsequently, they raised interest rates. They had a very V-shaped dip in the economy. Okay, so unemployment spiked growth, they went into a recession, and then very quickly after that, uh, rebounded. So, you know, inflation came right back down. It worked, is my point. And it's, um, as, as we were quoting, I think it was it was one of our reps, it's, it's probably the three- or four-year period that's most kind of in, aligns with what we're seeing today. We're seeing, you know, it's a really hot economy. We've got interest rates spiking high, and it's it stifled us a little bit, right? We had a negative quarter in the first quarters, down 1.4. We're Probably going to see that again. Who knows? We'll know in a, in a few months. But um, it'd be interesting to go back and do some reading around that time period, what happened, why it happened that way, how did it play out. And it didn't last as long as people anticipated that it would. That's what the Fed's doing right now, making hard decisions to try to protect our long-term prosperity. Um Sean, I think you've got a few announcements for us as well. Sorry, we we normally do that towards the beginning of the podcast, but we just had a lot to cover, and I skipped right over. A couple of things, um, I think some of them we've mentioned before, but just some dates are important to point out. One of the things I wanted to highlight is um, May 18th was a date that Drew referenced. That was also a day that a lot of our team members served at Center for Courageous Kids. So one of the things that Baird does is called Baird's, Baird Cares Week. So they organize opportunities for Baird employees to serve across the country the same week. And uh, we were able to serve at the Center for Courageous Kids, which is a a camp that we're involved in in Scottsville, Kentucky. And we were able to plant flowers and help organize some things and then have lunch there with with some of the team members. So it was a great, great opportunity for us to, to do to serve and to care about our community, which is one of our, um, it's in our vision statement. So also a couple other things we mentioned the book launch. So, so July 5th, and then uh, we've got a an event at the ballpark on August 25th where we've, we're renting out um, an area to have clients and for them to bring friends and enjoy a, a night at the ballpark. One more thing, if we can come back to it before we close up, Andrew, a lot of people ask, um, 
one of the most common questions we get right now. Uh, the U.S. is the world's largest economy, but China is second. And part of the supply issues are coming from there um, based on their, their shutdown metrics. So mm-hmm. what what's happening? What, what's some news from China? Is that, am I saying how you say it? Yeah. Right. That's, okay. that's exactly how I'll say it. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. So we talked about inflation and, and the role of the Fed and helping to manage that um, and, and how that can work. But separate from that, you know, uh, the public sector, private sector, if you will, you know, goods, the supply chain has an effect on inflation as well. And, you know, the last couple of months, um, China has had more of an outbreak uh, for COVID than, than we've had in the U.S. And most of the country has actually been you know, shut down or had some type of uh, restrictions placed on it, similar to what we experienced, you know, back in, you know, the spring of 2020. So um, today, Wednesday, uh, is an important day because in Shanghai, about 25 million people are going back to work, um, which is a really big step in their economy reopening, people going back to work. Um, and they're actually uh, on Tuesday closed down one of, if not the largest facilities um, that had 50,000 beds in it where they were treating COVID patients. It was a like a temporary hospital. Yeah, it was, it was from my understanding, a commercial industrial kind of warehouse building that they converted and put, you know, these 50,000 beds in and that's now been shut down. And so that's just a, in terms of the supply chain, you know, very early stages of, of this, but it's, um, it'll be interesting to see how much that helps ease some of these um, supply chain issues that um, this has been a factor in for the last few months. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I wanted to, and, and that's my fault that I we didn't touch on all the announcements at the beginning. I wanted to be sure and come back to that. 50,000 beds, that's a number, it's like saying a trillion dollars. Like I can't even fathom what a 50,000 bed temporary hospital facility looks like, mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know, you know, locally, if you were to look at the med center, I don't know know how many beds are there, but trying to put it in some type of proportion. Before we were started recording, I was kind of pressing Andrew on that. And he said, no, that's right. Five, zero, 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 (laughs) zero. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, you would think the med center's like 300 beds. I mean, you'd think it'd be more like that I was going to say a thousand, but nowhere close. Right. Yeah. Nowhere close. All right. Hey, anything else, guys? Josh, are you good? Good. Things are good? Yep. All right. Well, hey, we, uh, we're we excited uh, about the summer. Um, we're, again, we're, we're five months into a declining market. We know it's part of it. We worry about people, though. We don't worry about ourselves. We practice what we preach. Not one of us has abandoned our strategies during this time. It is a good time to check in on what you're doing, though. If you have specific questions, please reach out to us. That's what we're here for. Um, again, thank you for listening to the Perry Ritchie Group Advisor Roundtable for June 2022, and we look forward to seeing you all next month. Thank you. This podcast is intended for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable resources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. 
Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc., a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, member FINRA and SIPC. Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated.